Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hi, everyone. Dave. Podcast. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with good things, so Craig, thing. Um, something that's been on my mind, and we were just talking about helicopter noises, so I was thinking about this too. Unfortunately, you guys didn't get to hear that part, because I was pre-recording, but there's a game that I would love to share with you guys, but unfortunately, I don't think you're able to play it anymore. But it was released around the time of SimCity 2000, uh, made by Maxis, and it is a little game called SimCopter. Guys, that game was so good. I missed that game. Up, 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 up. Thank you, Dave. So SimCopter, uh, like I said, it was made by Maxis, the people who also made the SimCity, the original SimSeries series of games uh, before they were bought out by EA. And the concept of SimCopter is what if you can import the city that you built in SimCity 2000 and fly around in it in a helicopter? Um, not so only was, that, what? It was like Pokemon Stadium, but SimCity. I don't know what Pokemon Stadium well, is Well, you like. can import your Pokemon and fight with them in 3D. Oh, yeah, sure, exactly. But <laughs> with SimCity... Um, yeah, so you could fly around your city, but the nice thing is, is they had events and things that would happen. So you might have to clear up traffic jams or chase down speeding cars or put the fire out on, on flaming buildings, um, rescue people who need medical attention, that sort of thing. They had all of these activities that you could do. Um, you start with a dinky little helicopter. You do these tasks. You do certain tasks that you kind of um, based on your equipment, get money, buy better helicopters buy more equipment to do more of the tests and that sort of thing. But really, the idea of just being able to fly around in your own city, like, it it was just sort of nice. I remember making this this uh, city in SimCity 2000, and it was probably, like, the best city I ever made, um, just because of, of how, like, I organized it and how far I was able to get. It's it's definitely the longest I played the game. And then being able to import that in a SimCopter, oh, it's like, this was my city. This was mine. Like, there's just something about that. Um, Really fun game. I don't know if there's any way to play it. Maybe there's a way if you can get, like, a certain version of DOSBox running or something. Um, I don't know. But if you guys remember it, yeah. I I need to, I wanted to, like, dig up some videos and stuff just so I can, I can cherish the nostalgia. Fun game. Someone tried to make a a copter, a helicopter type mod for City Skylines, but that would just being able to fly around in your own city, which which is good. That's part of the appeal. But it wouldn't have had any of the actual like progression aspect, which is to me like, okay, being able to fly around my own city, that's like the selling point. But to keep me wanting to play, I need some sort of progression. I need something to shoot for something to aim for and being able to like upgrade all the different helicopters and get equipment and stuff. Uh, that to me was part of the appeal as well. So, yeah. I I'm with Dave here. I also played Sim Ant and I have really vague memories of SimCopter existing, but I don't think I ever played it and it could definitely be a Mandela effect and it might not have ever existed. 
What about Streets of SimCity? That was another one that came out at the same time. Never heard of that. Okay. That one wasn't as popular, but same idea. Uh, but in this case, it's racing car game through, you know, the city that you can import. So you can, like, build yourself little shortcuts in, yeah. in your city design and then take advantage of it? I, I don't remember how the actual racing tracks, like, would be generated i i don't i did play that game but i know a lot less of it just because i played simcopter so much more i could tell you how simcopter worked and played i don't fully remember streets of sim city just that it was a racing game that you can go around in your city and it, they were both came out roughly same time tied to sim city 2000 good stuff though look it up i won't dave your turn i won't either tori your turn wait what <laughs> why are we skipping everyone it's her turn to answer whether or not she's going to look it up. I'm probably not going to look it up. It yeah, sounds cold, cool, guys. though. Cold. No, we're just, we're, we're just trusting you to, to have told us the truth and, and not just be elaborately lying to us in a long con to eventually gain the $65 million inheritance. So it's been so long since I played SimCity that I would have to, you know, play SimCity and build a city before I could try the SimCopter. So that's that's why I'm probably not going to look it up. Neat. Uh, how about a good thing, Dave? Sorry, I was just jumping on the bandwagon, but sounds cool. My good thing this week is SimCop. Um, my good thing this week uh, is Stardew Valley. Next person. I don't want to talk about it. But right. it's good. But it's good. <laughs> I mean, to the best of my knowledge, you've done like four streams for a total of about sixty hours of playing that game. And I'm playing it, it right got now. into it pretty hard. That's just I don't the appeal. Talk about it. Hey, I can talk about uh Stardew Valley. Guys, it's a good game. It's been a while since we got a really good farming sim game, and this was a labor of love. Um and the the dev by himself made this or at least originally, I don't know if he employs people now, but the original Stardew Valley, when he first released, it was just him working for like, what, five years by himself. And then he made this awesome game um, but of the Harvest Moon farming sim type genre. But it's it's not just it's not just a repeat, a rehash of the old Harvest Moon games. It does its own thing. Like it's a tribute to Harvest Moon, but it has modern type, you know, gameplay elements and things like that. Uh, not it's not trying to reinvent the wheel here, but it's a tribute to those older farming games. And it's just sort of done right. It's it's really good. Yeah, It's like everything Harvest Moon was done the best way, plus more stuff. And to the best of my knowledge, Concerned Ape is still working entirely solo on his next game, Haunted Chocolatier, which may ex may be released sometime in the next decade maybe we'll see i will play that when it comes out yeah same stardew was good enough that this is this is like a guaranteed insta buy even if it's garbage all right uh my good thing this week is a new movie on netflix called spiderhead it stars um nope not chris <laughs> evans the other chris hemsworth hemsworth Thor. yeah uh it stars chris hemsworth and miles right. teller and it's Hey, I think I think mid-budget movies are starting to come back, but they're like exclusively on streaming. Makes sense. You guys remember how like mid-budget movies used to exist, where they didn't cost the VHS? Well, no, not that's not a mid-budget movie. That's a different thing. Mid-budget movies are ones that like aren't thrown together for a hundred thousand dollars of the director going into personal debt. Indie 
but they're also not big budget two hundred million dollars. This this succeeds and triples its cost, or the studio goes under big budget, which is kind of all we have now. Um, but Spiderhead, very mid budget. I couldn't actually find numbers on it because Netflix doesn't have to disclose that. Um, but yeah, it it very much looks like it didn't cost a huge, huge, huge amount of money to make. And it's a pretty decent movie. It's based on a short story or novel or something. Not Spider-Man? Spider-Head. Um, what definitely was the novel? What? what? Do you know what the novel was the title of the novel it was based on? Escape from Spider-Head. Ah. Um, it, it feels Philip K. Dickish to me. Which, which is not to say that the story was written by Philip K. Dick. It very definitely was not. I don't remember the name of the author of the story. But it wasn't Philip K. Dick. It just feels in that same neighborhood. So if you like Philip K. Dick-based stuff, and you probably do because you've seen a million of them, you might like this one. Spiderhead, starring Thor and Mr. Fantastic. Rich Readers. Oh, and it's directed by the same guy who directed Tron Legacy and the new Top Gun. He, he directed it in the time after filming Top Gun and before Top Gun came out. Because that was like a three-year gap. Anyway, that's me. Tori? So I'm enjoying the new Miss Marvel show. There are some people on the internet who say they don't like it for reasons. I don't care about those people on the internet. It is a delightful show, and I'm enjoying it. It's all like all of the, the fun parts of a teen movie and a superhero story at the same time. I've been wanting to check that out. I read the um the comic books when when they first came out, and you know I thought the series was really good. So I'm curious how it is on the the actual series. Yeah, so far it's just delightful. I'm done with Marvel shows, and probably not going to theaters to see Marvel movies unless it's something that like I'm really really excited about. Like probably going to a theater to see Thor four because it's Chris Hemsworth, it's Taika, should be good. I had a dude talk about Morbius last night. He said it was pretty good. I mean... I mean Morpheus. I mean Morbius. Listen, man. (laughs) Did I cry when he said it's Morbin time? Yes. Did everyone in the theater stand up and applaud when he said it's Morbin time? Also, yes. Was it a good movie? Not really. I haven't been to the theater since Dune, which is really weird because we used to go to the theater all the time like that used to be mm. our thing in in the before times but really during covid we just got in the habit of watching things at home yep. and i don't see mm-hmm. that changing really and we we might be witnessing the death of movie theaters the slow decline and de- like it's sort of like how back in the day theaters actual theaters not movies we're talking about like live action plays and stuff were all over the place and then once movies came out it sort of is like why am i gonna watch a play but then it became a novelty i think we're gonna see the same thing with movie theaters where every now and then you'll want to see something on a big screen but for the most part there's no real reason to do so I mean, even as it is, like, we only go if we're going to that novelty theater where, you know, you can yeah. order dinner from your seat and they've got nope. the heated seats and the reclining seats and um, the giant chairs so you don't have to sit next to actual people. Ugh, gross. Um, <laughs> yep, for, exactly. For, for me, there are two reasons to go to a theater. Either it's exclusivity, so there's no other way to watch this without waiting some amount of time, or... 
Um, it's the spectacle. Like, and, and generally speaking, I have to hit both of those to, to even consider seeing a movie in a theater. Like, Dune would have been a great one to see in a theater. Like, that one deserved a big screen. Right. But, but yeah. Like, yeah. And before I would have said, oh, but a Marvel movie is worth seeing in the theater. But there's been so many Marvel movies. And you, you know what you're going to get from a Marvel movie? Like, it doesn't need to be on the big screen. Oh, my God. How unhappy would I have been if I had paid money to see The Eternals at a theater? Hey, guys, we're talking about good things. Focus. Yeah, it's a good thing that we can watch stuff at home <laughs> through streaming. Like, you can pause things and go pee. Good thing. Yep. If if the if what you're watching isn't maintaining like your your interest, you can zone out for a few minutes and scroll through your phone. That's what I did during Eternals. Like I started watching it and I got through I think an hour and I was like, eh, I need to go do something else and come back to this. And when I hit the pause button and you know you hit the pause button and it brings up the little bar at the bottom of the screen that tells you how far along in the movie you are, and I wasn't even halfway through the movie, I was like, This movie is long. Yep. All right. But um, streaming things, Miss Marvel is good. And also it's little episodes that are short, so it doesn't take as much attention as a movie. And I want to say Doctor Strange 2 is coming to Disney Plus very soon, which that'll be neat. Anyway, Dave, you what? presumably have some chapters for us this week. Uh, do I have to? No, you actually don't. You have your notes up. We could have... I could read your, your bullet points, and Tori or Craig could tell us what they mean. <laughs> All right. I'm taking the week off. Bye, guys. What are we doing? Chapter 98 through something? Chapter 98 through something. All right. Chapter 98. Uh, loopholes. Seth has to pee. All right. Let's go. Pure Lake is not gilded red and gold, Brandon. <laughs> no, it's uh, gilded with silver. We established that. Uh -uh. You gild things with silver. That's why no. it's called gilding. <laughs> Gilded means gold. You don't gild with red and gold. Ah, although those were the uh, those were my high school colors. Actually, crimson and gold, or red and yellow. Um, Brandon, are they just playing paintball or water balloon fight? The squires all have their Vin cosplays on. Wait, is Vasher Zahel? It's more like a water balloon fight. Contest over. Hi, Spren. You know, the best strategy would have been to take a uniform off and throw it out of bounds. Nail always has another secret. Okay. Right, well, uh, I want to jump straight to your fourth bullet point. Um, we have had a contest running for quite a while now. <laughs> the, the, the figured out Zahel is Vosherpool? Yeah. The yep. one. <laughs> there it is. I won. I'm the winner! <laughs> uh, so, I had that you would figure it out before the end of Words of Radiance. Before Nightblood. Before Nightblood. Tori had uh, that you would figure it out when Nightblood showed up. And Craig had that you would figure it out some nebulous time after that. And we finally <laughs> made it to some uh, nebulous so time. He bid, he bid one dollar over Tori. I, I was sweating <laughs> that you would never figure it out. But I'm like, nah... At some point, the it will click, and and here we are. We made it. We're here, guys. And <laughs> at at least Wait. once, I definitely did tell you that Vasher was Zile. You did. Um, at least once, thinking that you had already figured it out. 
and uh, you didn't notice. Mispronounced his name. Well, see, it's just it's really obvious at this point when <laughs> Nightblood is like, and Nightblood's just like, you know, Flasher's hanging out teaching people swords, and I'm like, oh, for crying out loud, he's saying, <laughs> like, okay, look, for your credit, I also didn't figure it out uh, until I happened to read the Coppermine entry while. I think it was during my read of Oathbringer. I, I forget exactly when, but then I'm like, wait, really? And But I will point out that going on a reread, if you ever happen to reread Words of Radiance, um, it's it's somewhat obvious. It's not fully obvious. It's pretty obvious, though. I don't know why I would even think that Zahil is a world hopper, though. If you had been well, like, Zahil is some character that you've seen in the Cosmere, I'm like, oh. The, the clue is Nightblood. How was Nightblood there and not Vasher? Like that—that that is the clue. That's why I'm. That's why my bet was Someone after Nightblood. Someone bought Nightblood or got it away. Like I don't know why does Zahel still not have Nightblood? They that got is separated. A good question, Dave. They got separated. Why not get separated before Zahel came? That is a good question. Uh, he also uses color metaphors that don't translate properly. Yeah, he he tries to say something. What? He's like green on black at some point, or or something like that. And Keldon's like, Keldon's like, what? And he's like, ah, it's because it means like gr- like wet behind the ears. You're like green behind the ears, sort of thing. Uh, see. So yeah, color oh. metaphors. That's like, wait a minute, what what world do we know loves colors? So now I I would point out that he doesn't talk like that in uh, Warbreaker. But that's because his metaphors actually do get properly translated, so we don't get like the literal, the literal like colors meaning yeah, things that fair. we have no context for. Yeah, we get wet behind the ears instead of green on black because that's our translation for it. But whatever, whatever shenanigans he's playing to be able to speak Alethi, uh, it's 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 a trick because the metaphors don't get copied over, don't get translated. I should say, Darmok yeah, and Jalad. At Tanagra, I was worried that you wouldn't find out until after you did your listen of the spoiler time, because we we talk about this like forever. We at least talk about it in the Warbreaker spoilers. I don't know where else, but mostly what we're talking about is when do you think he's going to figure it out? A heck if I know. Yeah. So now you can listen, and you'll know. Last week I figured out that Azure was Vivenna. You missed it. No, it was Foffin. It was Fafin this whole time, the your favorite sister. I, <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to elicit a spoiler out of Craig just in case I had it wrong. I actually did think it was Vivenna, but I wrote Fafin as a joke, but then you all just confirmed that it was Fafin. I, I knew something was happening because when I reviewed the spoiler time discussions, uh they were like, Is Dave just playing with us? And I'm like, Oh, what is he doing? I'm missing it. Uh what? So anyway, um Craig, translate. Pure Lake, not gilded red and gold. I I didn't read the chat. Okay, side note, I'm still reading Dresden. Uh, I blame Mike. I'm currently on book eight, uh, halfway through, Proving Guilty. I I think that's the title. I'm I'm hooked. I'm finally hooked. Guys, for the record, it took me six Dresden file books before I finally became hooked that I want to read more. And all you needed the whole time was a zombie dinosaur. Yeah, dude, genius. That's it. That's all you needed. It's like that card game, Smash Up. Yeah. Wasn't there, wasn't there a dinosaur deck and a zombie deck? 
I got I gotta admit that part gives gives props. I mean, yeah, I mean it's in Chicago. Sue's there. It makes sense. It's it's legit. And I I believe I told you like if you weren't hooked after that, just stop because it's not going to do it for you. Honestly, book six is what hooked me just because I was I was starting to become invested in the world building and I wanted to do more. Um, I I honestly I think I like book six better than book seven. But it's it's enough now that, you know, I want to keep going. So I'm currently in the middle of book eight. I might take a brief pause and read something else. Before, but I, I purchased up the book 12 just because I, I got a bundle. So, yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Let's talk about Dave's bullet points. What let's does any of this mean? Uh, Seth is in a water balloon fight. Yeah. <laughs> so whoever. But the water instead of water balloons, the balloons have dust in them in different colors. So whoever's uniform is the cleanest by the end of the fight wins. So Seth just takes a swim at the end of the fight and washes off. I mean, like, he's legitimately outplaying everybody, but then they all gang up on him. And, and once like, wait a minute. Once again, he wins via a loophole. Yeah. And what is a loo but a British John? So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on all the stuff that happened that didn't have to do with Nightblood. Um, I mean, it's... It's a very um, exciting chapter because it's it's written like a fight scene, but it's not. They're not actually like fighting or trying to kill each other. They're playing a game, and it's fun. Yeah, and Seth is having fun, but he's not allowed to have fun because he's truthless or something, and has a, has speed booster echoes. Yep, and he's he's blue suited because he isn't actually like pressing the the dash button. He's coming for your hundred percent dashless time. Second place. He's coming for my second place time. You yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's not there for first place yet. He hasn't figured out how to how to uh, what is it? Moonfall. Yeah, moon dance. Skyfall. Skybreakers. That's what they're training to be in this chapter. Whoa. Mind anyway, blown. it's it's still it's the next scene of Police Academy twelve citizens on Roshar yeah. patrolling the water something. balloon, where they play volleyball with their shirts off. Uh, so what's a high sprint? Is that a that's, skybreaker sprint? That's the skybreaker sprint. Yep, looks like a what little multiple pointed green leaf. It's the skybreaker honor sprint, but what it's is not. It? it is not an honor sprint for the record. But what is it? What's a what's a high? And why does it attract sprint? Is it attracted to like drug users? It, it might be closer to a law sprint. I think, if anything. Oh, not physically high, but like metaphorically lofty and aloofty. Yeah, so the copper mine mentions that high sprint is usually used as a derogatory term. Like snob sprint, basically. Yeah. Then I what see. are they called properly? Because that's all I've ever heard them referred to as. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to look up because I don't actually know the term. I mean, they're the sprints that bond with skybreakers and I guess if if Zeth doesn't tell us, then I have no idea. Okay. I'll just either ignore that or be confused, and I, I'm leaning toward ignoring that. I think Zeth calls him Spren Nimi. Anywho, um, Nail shows up at the end of the thing, and he's like, hey, we gotta go. Leave the leave the squires, because they're just gonna slow us down. But Seth is ready to commence the third oath or something and bond us, Spren. Yep, and so he gets to come along, because he's not a squire anymore. Ooh. So, next chapter. Chapter 99, Reachers. Dreamy Kaladin goes right for the polearms. Aiko, the Captain Reacher Lightsprint. 
Water coat rack fountain. Cold makes water. How does it do that? You don't fly. You fall the wrong way. So I just figured it out. This entire book series is actually based on a line from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Untrue. It's based on a line from Toy Story. Falling um. style. <laughs> yes. Okay. Doesn't Toy Story take place in the same universe as Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe? Or Hitchhiker's sure. Guide to the Galaxy? I don't see why it wouldn't. It's on Earth, right? Eats a planet. All right. Sylphrena wants Dreamy Kaladin to talk to Sylphrena and then to Shallan. Who's Tara? Is that like Daryl from FF6? The drawing? Um, basically, yeah, actually. <laughs> oh. The drawings of Arrow, Arrow, Spren, Crocomire, page 969. Oh, yeah, they look like Crocomire. Uh, let's, let's hope we don't have a similar scene in this book with them. Well, they're swimming in lava. Beads. Look at this. Yeah, it looks like Crocomire. But like a whale, like if Crocomire were a flying Chinese dragon whale, that's that right there. That's Man, what the, if Crocomire had been in Dread, that would have been such a cool thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Dread was cool. All right. Uh, b -b -b Shalon is drawing comics. Nope, uh, you skipped one. So the Arrow dudes can't travel too far from humans, so why not hire humans to chill out on boats? Think about it. It's like the Arrow dudes who are the, the Crocomires that pull the boat. Across the the BDC, the uh, the Marvel isn't, isn't that Marvel television TV. in the UK? The B, no, that's BBC. I said BDC, the Great Marble Divide. So they can't travel too far from humans because they're they can only exist within a certain range of like the human whatever human emotion they're supposed to be. I don't know arrows. Uh, so why not just have humans, like a human assigned to your ship to keep the the beasts from despawning? Shalon is drawing comics. Okay, so to answer your question, because at this point it feels like a real question. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's because they're not drawn to humans so much as they're drawn to human civilization and like large concentrations of humans where many emotions are available at any time. Like... Uh... You know, you, you could keep some canned food on your ship, or uh, you could just go to a supermarket. A floating supermarket in the sea, run by Beetle from Wind Waker. Exactly. All right, Shalon explains how to be crazy, and Tori explains how not crazy my bullet points are. Okay, so they're on uh, the boat that... Um... Who's on a boat? Dreamy Kaladin and company are on a boat on the Sea of Beads in Shadesmar. Uh, the boat is captained by some Spren, um, captained and crewed by Spren. Um, and they've got a, a fancy device that makes water for humans uh, out of condensation. So Kaladin's impressed with that. And uh, Silfren is like, you should go talk to Shallan because I know you want to. And so he does, and he's like, hey, we've got water. And he tries to look at her drawings, and some of them are really bad. And he's like, oh, did, did uh, Adolin do those? And <laughs> she tries to hide her notebook because she's embarrassed because, in fact, she drew those. Um, and she talks about how um, w when bad things happen or she's overwhelmed or whatever, that she can just lock those emotions away. Um 
and Kaladin's like, oh, I'm jealous. And she's like, yep, we're both crazy. And uh, that's, yep. kind of, that's kind of that whole conversation, really. So who's Tara? I think that name sounds like I heard it once before. Uh, that's just a name from Kaladin's past that you haven't seen the flashback for yet. I mean, uh, he gives the basic explanation of, of who Tara is here. That's his ex-girlfriend. Yep, that's it. And she has the best theme song in Final Fantasy VI. It's like a slow, melancholy version of Setzer's theme. Uh, anyone else read Chapter 99 or just me? Oh, no, I read I read chapters. It's only Craig that's that's uh, trying to blame other books for not being able to read a book. Hard. Well, so I many blame, things I want to read. But listen, I blame reading for the podcast for not reading other books, so it's fair. Oh. <laughs> that and Stardew Valley. I mean, I'm on a Wheel of Time audiobook reread, and I'm nearly done with the fourth book now. I mean, I guess I don't feel that bad for Dave because he's reading really good books and he gets to experience it for the first time, which I sort of wish I could do. For Metroid. Are you watching yeah. a blind playthrough? Just store your memories in your copper mind and then you can read them for read them new for the first time again. You know, of all the things I wish I could experience again, I, I wish I could do that with Chrono Trigger. I think of all the things in my life that I'd want to do a re-repeat of a video game or movie, I think it has to be that. I don't know. I think I'd store the memory of that time when I burnt sh 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 to death. <laughs> okay, Delinar. Jeez. Chapter 100. An old friend. Narigal's thrill. Ruined Vadenar. Aluminum is just a legend. Thrilling continuation. Dalinar needs to leave Vadenar, but who will open the oath gate? My dad used to steal my ice cream, too. <laughs> Who's Nergal is one of the unmade, and the thrill is apparently some sort of extension of him. Uh, uh, no, he is the thrill. Oh, like Michael Jackson. Yep. Uh, so Nergal really, really, really loves fighting, and he likes to share his love of fighting. And challenge? And challenge and fighting? Heck yeah, challenge and fighting. Is he the guy? I mean, he wants to be the guy. Uh, okay. So Dalinar is at Vadenar for some reason. And his head is a little bean. <laughs> and gots to have blue hair. So, yeah, Vadenar is in ruins, and we get a, we get a look at this half shard, the, the shield that supposedly blocks his... that supposedly blocks shard blades, and then Tyrvangian's like, there's some weird space metal that actually blocks shard, plate, shard blades. Or blades. Shard blades. To block uh, a shard plate, you just dodge because it is it is defensive. Uh, yep. But don't be a horse. Horses have a penalty to try to block shard plate. Uh, only in Brandon Sanderson's book. Horses have a penalty to existing in Brandon Sanderson's book. <laughs> existing. They just have to roll a fortitude save <laughs> every day they wake up to see if they're going to survive that day. Oh. Uh, yeah. So. He describes this kind of silvery, really lightweight metal. Um, Which we've never heard of before, ever. Wonder what it is. It comes from the sky. Yeah. So from um, void. Apparently they don't have, like, what is it, it, bauxite ore that gets turned into aluminum? I thought aluminum was was an element. It is, but, like, the naturally occurring mineral, I guess, Mm. needs to be refined into um, aluminum via... Very high heat, which 
in nature, basically only happens with uh, lightning strikes. Huh. But the lightning in Roshar is invested, so they can't have it. Think about it. I mean, yeah, the, the lightning would would strike, hit some bauxite ore, turn it into aluminum for just like the first layer, and then immediately get shoved off to the side because aluminum is anti-investiture. Yeah. I like the way you think, Dave. Let me put on my thinking cap. All right, uh, so the thrill, apparently Dalinar hasn't been resisting the thrill. It just kind of left him and came here instead. And he's like, ooh, thrill. I want to kill some dudes. I better get out of here. I got to get out of here. I need to get out of here. Where's that earth gate? And he goes to the earth gate, and then there are these religious dudes that are like, we're going to say a bunch of stuff that makes you want to kill us. And he's like, ah, get me through the earth gate. Um, and he made a vow not to summon uh, to summon Stormfather as a shard blade, but he summons him as a shard key instead, which is perfectly fine. Because keys can't be blades, you guys. There's no such thing as them being the same thing. And then he goes on through and comes out to Erythiru. And he finds, uh, goes to Adolin's room and drinks his booze. So, hold on. For the record, I don't think he exactly vowed to not draw the Stormfather as a sharp blade so much as Stormfather's like, and I won't be summoned as a blade because I'm bigger than that or something like that. So it was sort of like an addendum that Stormfather said. And then Dalinar agreed to it. Yeah, but... It's like, oh, and by the way, becoming a sword is a huge pet peeve. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what Stormfather said. He can be literally anything. When he could be a, a dinner fork or a spear. That is fine. It is not a shard blade. Then we're good. Yeah, or a key to open the oath gate. He could find just some more him. loopholes. He could summon him as like a spaghetti and just use the shard spaghetti to open the door. I mean, lift turned Windle into a shard fork. Yeah, that seems like a decent okay. loophole. So, uh, this this scene reminded me of uh, one time. You know, I was still living with my parents. I bought some ice cream from work, and I put it in the freezer. And I had some left over, and I was like, "Man, can't wait to eat that ice cream!" And then I saw my oh, dad no. eating the ice cream, and I said, "Dad, you're eating my ice cream." And he said, well, "I'll tell you what. I'll let you spend the night." <laughs> Dang! Happy Father's Day, everybody. <laughs> um, nah, yeah, he's right. It's fine. It was. I was upset at the time, but it was just ice cream, and it left me with a humorous memory for the rest of my life. So worth it, I guess. Uh, so that's just like that, but with booze instead of ice cream. And that's the end of chapter a hundred. All right, I don't have anything for this aside from you know thrill talk, but we covered that. All right. Um. Chapter 101. Adolin owes. Seeing the future is evil, Kaladin. Adolin is good at clothes. Wait, Azure... hold up. What? Who? Adolin. No, before that. Evil Kaladin. Uh, who's that? Well, he's not allowed to dream because it's evil. So he's just Kaladin now. I don't want to get in trouble, you guys. Because seeing dreams is one of the unmade. Futurey dreams, at least. That's not quite what that says. Adolin is good at clothes. Azure knows a princess that walked away from royalty. Dead eye. Aiko's daughter chased stupid dreams. Let's split up. Then, like, basically all of uh, the Halandrin daughters, like, 
abandon royals being royal except for Siri. Who fully embraced it even though she wasn't she was like last in line. She was the only one that like didn't want to do it and then she embraced it. Well yeah, but she went from being the fourth daughter in a tiny country in the mountains, uh whose whole whose whole deal is austerity. No one gets anything. No colors, no fun, no food, nothing. Uh, to being the empress of this, like, massive city-state with huge military power and cool dyes and great food and, yeah. And a she real hunk her. for a husband. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who loves, loves to have his favorite book read to him. If you're... Aren't they returned to, like, their identity? So you're telling me that the stillborn child who died and became Suseberin, like... His identity was being a hunk of a guy. Um, that's a little more the just the cultural identity, because like all the gods are are sort of idealized versions of of people, right? But it's even yeah. noted in the book that like what that actually means has shifted over time, and it can change over time for a particular return as well. It's just that they're not you typically alive long enough for people to see it. Uh. But they they can change their mind and Wasn't you would like, see them physically change. But there was like a young boy return and like an old lady returned. Yep. Yeah, but they were still like the the young boy was still like you know seven five and massively muscled. He just looked like a twelve year old. Oh, like the guy, uh, like like normal like sixteen seventeen year old high school athletes that have like baby face but are like beefy yeah also um we need to posthumously adjust our casting to be um what is dude from free guy for all the returned <laughs> that's all the that's the random like return that are hunks but don't have much brains yes yeah they are all dude yeah they're they're all played with like a bodybuilder's body but Ryan Reynolds' face CGI'd onto it. Uh, <laughs> I'll post a GIF in Good Things real quick. Wait, is that that TV show Ada's not allowed to watch? It's a movie, and yes, she cannot watch it. Well, I was at your house, and we were going to watch it, but then Ada woke up. Or you might have to get pizza or something, I don't remember. It's, anyway, it's a really good movie. If you look in Good Things, that's that's Dude. <laughs> it's a t-shirt tattooed on those chests. Yep, because... <laughs> Because Ryan Reynolds' character in that movie is known as Blue Shirt Guy, um, and yes, they wanted a better version of him. So he's huge and muscled, and as an homage to Blue Shirt Guy, they have a blue shirt tattooed on his peck. Anyway, back to back to stuff. Back to stuff and things. What are we doing? Where are we at? Splitter. We're splitting up. The end of chapter 101, they go into teams. One team is going to go charter a boat, and the other team, well, not charter a boat, but seek oh. passage. And the other team is going to go buy supplies. You never split the party. What's the worst thing that could be set on fire? <laughs> and Adolin is good at clothes. That's why Mike likes him. Yeah, he's got tailoring skills, and he knows where he knows how to hide the places where he's not good. Yeah, where where he doesn't have stuff. Where where he just ripped seams out, but it's okay because it's under other stuff, and you just can't see it. And they're all like, did you sew that outfit together? Wow, make me one. And Shalon's like, 
turn my pants into the skirt. And Azure's like, why wouldn't you want to wear pants? That's what Vin wears. And then Adolin starts talking about single seams versus double seams and backstitching and how he can't make more material just appear to make pants work as a skirt because that's not how it works. I'll just take the seam out and sew them together. It makes sense. Well, then you have just one bigger pant leg, but it's not big enough yeah, to work you have as a skirt. Just one, one giant pant. That, then it just becomes like a tube skirt. Anyway, chapter 102. Alright, chapter 102. Shalon Puffs. Hey, this is a Captain Kaladin Crunch chapter. Shalon likes hats. Shadow Art. Harsh Boat Dude. Silfrena is wanted, but she's too beautiful and interesting to hide. And then she gets a great bad idea. Take it, someone but me. Alright, I don't care about any of your bullet points, because I want to talk about the best side character we've gotten in so long, you guys. Screamy Spren? Nope. The 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 doc guy who gets fired at the end of this. Oh, movie. the uh the I guess he's a cultivation spren. Yeah. Who like everybody gets mad at him because he didn't volunteer information that he didn't know anyone needed or wanted. <laughs> yeah. And at first Shalon's like, he didn't tell me that thing, so he must be siding with the Voidbringers. And then the Voidbringer also <laughs> gets mad at him for quote withholding information. So it's like that that's that's how he be. Yeah. Like the things he doesn't tell the humans is like basic stuff that anybody who's been around for at least five minutes knows already. And he just <laughs> expected them to know that because why wouldn't they? You didn't notice that this town is overrun by the the fused? Like and then a boat gets set on fire. And then yep. Sulfrena's like Oh man, here's a here's the honor friendship, and I'm wanted. There's a big bounty on my head, and Cal, <laughs> she's so cute, you guys. And Kaladin's like, why didn't you think it was important to tell me? And she's like, I did just now. <laughs> and then yeah, so she's like, hey, hey, honor friend boat. If you don't catch me now, I'm going to get away again. And they're like, yeah, get her. And then everyone else just gets on board the ship or something. And uh, Yeah. And apparently the, the Fused don't want to go near the Honor Sprint. And they're kind of like, ah, and they let them sail off to where? I don't know. Let's find out in next week's chapters. Indeed, let's. All right. I have a question for Dave. Okay. And. I apologize because I'm sure you guys went over it. But what made you figure out uh, that Azure was Vivenna? She's not. She's Fafin. What made you realize that <laughs> Azure was Fafin? She has short hair. What made you realize that Fafin was Vivenna? <laughs> <laughs> They're not the same. No, I'm just curious, like, what it was in the book that it finally, like, triggered for you. Or were you just always suspicious? Oh, okay. Hold. So you guys can't see it, but he's scrolling up in his notes. So he I can figured out. out uh, uh, oh, she must be a world hopper because she recognizes canned food, and we only had canned food on schedule. And she has short hair, so it must be Fafin. And her hair changes colors. And so Craig and I, and I assume Tori, but I I don't know that Tori's ever actually told us. Um, Craig and I both spotted that Azure was Vivenna pretty quickly. Because we had already, we had previously found out that Vasher was Zile and Nightblood was around, so connecting those dots 
was was pretty basic at that point. Well, wait, is Azure trying to catch Nightblood or trying to catch Zahel then? Probably Zile, but we're not a million percent sure. So, for the record, I'm not sure if I knew. I I, I think I knew that uh, Vasher was Zahel before I noticed Azure. I was so excited though, because like I'm reading the book the first time me reading Oathbringer, and like. I don't exactly remember when, but it was definitely a few episodes ago. Um, like whatever chapters we were on, there was a few things in particular that stood out for me. I think it was when her hair started changing colors um, or something else that she said. And I'm like, hold on. Azure's Ravenna. What? I figured it out. What? And, you know, like blew my mind. And then I go on to the to the subreddit as I do. And like half the people don't even realize I'm like. Am I just crazy or did I actually figure this out? And everyone like so every now and then someone will post like a, a shocking thing that they figured it out. And everyone's like, what? I'm like, but it's so obvious, guys. So, OK, well, uh, uh, Craig so and I, Azure, sorry, go ahead. I was saying Azure mentions someone like abdicating being a princess. She's like, oh, I knew someone like that. But then also makes it sound like she's talking about herself. She is. No, it's she's talking about Vivenna. Oh, yeah, sorry. I forgot uh, that you're we're pretending that Azure is Fafin. Sorry. Azure is Fafin. Vivenna has long hair. Okay, so for both of our first reads of Oathbringer, Craig and I were chatting with each other at the time. So we were in communication and, like, sharing, you know, reveals that, that like, blew our minds. And so, yeah, you you definitely got this the first time. I definitely got this the first time. Tori, how about you? Where where are you at on on I Azure's ID? I also got it the first time. Yes. Yay! I think what I figured out that it had to be uh, Vivenna because I think it's because when she's like, "Oh, I'm I'm looking for some dude or something," and I assume that she meant she was like looking for Nightblood. I think that's what made me think about it. Okay. Um, I was just I was just curious what the trigger was. Is it Fafin or is it Vivenna? It's I told Vivenna. you, I wrote, I wrote Fafin as a joke, but you all went along with it. Yes, because so I, the week before you. we had joked about that, and, and you apparently psychically read our minds about that and, <laughs> and went along with it. But no, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's Vivenna. Anyway, last week, there were a couple of things that we were talking about that I wanted to hold off until Craig got here because he's got a better handle on it than I do. I don't remember what those things were. Dave or no. Tori? I told you to write them down. I don't do that. <laughs> the answer is yes. Unless I did that in spoileriness. Nope. Nope. Oh Actually, crap! We had a thing from a a listener that we were gonna we were gonna cover, well, which we'll do once time. we get into spoiler time. Yeah, almost forgot I about that. that. I thought there was something in spoiler time that you also wanted to say. Let's ask Let's ask Craig about it, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, it's it is lo- that information is lost to time. There are no records that exist that that can be checked. We certainly don't put out a podcast every week that is in in a few weeks when it comes out. I'll be able to check and be like, oh yeah, that's what it was. Uh, so yeah, do we want to go to spoiler time? Because I'm out of stuff for Dave. I also am out of stuff for Dave. I'm never out of stuff for Dave, but this episode I am. Bye. Bye, Dave. Bye, Dave.
Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Okay, starting off, because I promised to do this and I... when Oh, that was this week. Okay, I didn't miss an episode where I was supposed to have done this. Yay, me not accidentally forgetting stuff. All right, so one of our patrons. Mm, Craig, you want to give a shout at the name? Don't do this to me! Well, I'm going to butcher it too, and it'll be... Mine will sound better after hearing yours. Mar Colette. Wait, yeah, is that it? Yeah. Marekoletz? I'm I like yeah. I like yours better. Guaranteed those are both wrong. Sorry about that. If you would like to provide a pronunciation guide for us at some point in the future, we'd appreciate it. And then Tori will be the one who gets it right. Tori can wait until after the pronunciation guide is out so that she doesn't embarrass herself. Woo. Alright. Uh so this is this is from this listener. Again, sorry for butchering your name. Been listening to Ep 192 and the discussion about Odium and his claim to be passion, and I've made a, in parentheses, Judeo-Christian-centered, but given that I think Brandon is approaching the shards as aspects of his understanding of God, I think it applies, and parentheses, connection to an aspect that Odium might actually be. I think we may be too quick to dismiss what Ray's claims was the proper word, because we think he was trying to sell something to Dalinar. So, point one. Odium is very focused on taking or placing responsibility or blame away from some people and placing it on others. Point two. One of his major representatives, Moash, prior to his influence, was already very good slash bad at taking blame that was really the fault of individuals and applying it to entire groups of people. My boy, it says Cal, but I'm going to amend Dreamy Kaladin, was also this way, but in the way that Moash and he tend to reflect each other as opposites of a type, he, eventually, chose to take that responsibility on himself. Point three. Most obvious of this is when Dalinar refuses to give his pain to Odium in his rejection of Odium. This is similar to the rejection of temptation from Satan by Jesus during his 40 days of fasting in the desert. He offered to take his pain and suffering away as well according to the text. Point four. The new holder of the shard, who scares the bejeebus out of me, that's that's from this listener and me, uh, is a king who took upon himself the guilt of doing what he thought he needed to do to save some people by inflicting horrors on others. He exhibited a kind of resigned pragmatic evil where his kindness was available to a few while all others were expendable in exchange to save the few. A chosen people, which has obvious parallels to biblical concepts. Point five. The English word passion, while being near synonymous with anger or wrath, actually came from the Latin word passio via the Greek word patior. In English, it began as a specific reference to the death of Jesus, but the Latin and Greek words were references to either suffering or great emotion. Apologies for probably mispronouncing the Latin and Greek there. All right, who wants to take the second part of this because, ow. I can do it. (laughs) Am I going to regret that? I have read this before. Okay. Although thinking of Odium 
it's just the wrath of a god would fit both the words passion and odium, it wouldn't explain why the shard seems to push the holder towards taking this emotion and redirecting it. Unless with the specific aspect of Adonalsium, uh that the shard holds isn't just the anger or wrath of a god, but also the need for the balancing of scales atonement, which form a pre-Rabnical Judeo-Christian perspective always involves substitutionary sacrifice. In the Bible, this trait is often referred to as God's desire for justice. It is possible that what Odium, the shard, actually represents is the portion of Adonalsium that requires the writings of wrongs and the transference of blame from one party to another, but absent the traits of mercy, uh, it, it, there is a mercy shard, it, but he says endowment here. Commitment, devotion, in parentheses, conversion, ruin, in, in parentheses, preservation which we have wisdom which i believe there's a shard not there isn't a, a wisdom shard but there is invention so maybe there's also whimsy which i think really fits here or a unified guiding set of principles that determine right versus wrong which would be honor what we would have would be a shard that requires that there be scales that are balanced but absent any understanding of why they are out of balance or how they should be uh, which would leave those decisions in the hands of a shard holder with only their personal non-godlike ability to guide. They'd have a need to punish with one hand and forgive with the other, without the other aspects that would guide it. That seems to fit with the way that Reyes behaved, especially considering that the term used for those that he supports is Voidbringers, which is justice ultimately seeking a zero sum and that he seems to switch quote-unquote sides with relative ease. To make a very long post short, I'm becoming convinced that the actual trait that Odium represents is justice unconstrained, which, given those hands it's in now, is very scary. End quote. All right, so the first point of this is looking at this from a Judeo-Christian um, American culture perspective is almost certainly the correct one. Like, we know that Brandon has has been exposed to other cultures. He's visited Korea. He's visited France. Like, he's been places. Um, and he's studied other cultures. But he doesn't necessarily write from that perspective unless he's very intentionally intending to do so. Right? Yeah. yeah. He, he is Mormon, and we pointed it out in the podcast before that every now and then there might be something that we think comes from that particular culture. So, lacking any signs that that he's definitely like writing something from a, from a perspective of a different culture, we should probably pretty safely assume American Judeo-Christian, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's the first bit. Uh, the second bit is I really, really, really like this whole theory. I think it works incredibly well and means that I've been underestimating odium this whole time. Yeah. This whole time. So I have heard it before, uh, and I say this also in our spoiler channel, but I have heard of, of Odium uh, and what it means uh, as essentially anger without, or justice, I should say, justice without context, which is a, is a summary of what essentially uh, this, our Patreon has said. It's, it's, there is no context for the shard to know it is angry. It has some sort of passion, um, Something needs to be fixed or changed, as in this case, the scales need to be balanced. But there's there's nothing. There's no context. So it is justice without context. It is sorry. 
uh, let me quote, let me quote myself, God's divine wrath without context. That is what I've heard it before, probably on a subreddit somewhere. It's kind of like Nightblood in a way. Yes. And Nightblood. Wow. Yeah. Nightblood and Odium are like one in the same. But and, and it's funny because Odium, the, the or not Odium, sorry, Nightblood, the command is what? Uh, destroy evil. And it's like, again, it lacks the context of what evil is and what destroy means. Although I, I think Nightblood has figured out what destroy means, but it doesn't know what evil is. So yeah. it's based on the holder of the sword. Night, Nightblood's got a real good handle on destroy. It's it's the evil that's that's the tricky bit. Good handle. I see what you did there, Mike. Hey, oh, I, I mean, I really like this. I always considered this to be the case. Again, when I heard that uh odium is god's divine wrath without context i'm like yes this this makes sense this is what odium actually is and that is a really scary shard like all the other shard holders were afraid of ambition because again now apply what was said about this how odium is that that drive to fix something without the context imagine ambition which is just unrestrained ambition to be the best Without context, like there's no, there's just ambition. It's just be. That's why ambition was so scary to the other shard holders. Now, Odium is exactly the same case. It has that lack of context. It needs another shard to help focus it and put it to something. Um, one of the other things I've heard is that if someone picks up both Honor and Odium, uh, they have referred to that combination as justice, which... Sort of makes sense, because now you have the context, in which case, with honor, it would be oaths and, and being able to, like, make oaths and support the oaths. But to me, that's a scary combination, because you essentially get skybreakers. Like, that's, yeah. you would just get skybreakers. It's not enough context, because it's Judge Dredd, yeah. right? Like, any law gets broken, it doesn't matter how minor, instant death. Yep. It's, yep. Um... For the record, and I don't know how we're going to do this, I really want Dave in on this conversation related to this theory. Um, oh. I don't know when. Obviously, we can't do it until if we want to talk about the new holder, but the, there's no actual reference to Teravangian. Like, we could, we can remove those references to having a new holder. Uh, it, it's point four. Point I, four no, would have to be removed. I, I think even mentioning a new holder is a spoiler. That's like, what I mean. We have to remove point four, but otherwise there's nothing in here that talks about Teravangian aside from point four. So, and, and at the very end of uh, the whole big paragraph. So the point is Dave is probably the most religious of all of us. And he actually like studies different things. So he would be the best person to bounce this off of. I say we do it in the in the book wrap up episode. And then we just we, we can read it, only ignore anything that talks about a new shard holder. Or, and, and I'm whatever. about to post an edited version in our episode chapters. OK. Channel. All right. So that's cool. So, yeah, we definitely need to get Dave's info on this. Um, honestly, yeah. Like I said, I think this is really good. Like this. This is the way to think of Odium. And it has always struck a chord to me, but I didn't have the context myself 
to know about what passion actually means because I I go I come from like I speak English I only know the English language um so when someone says passion and strong feelings so when Odium was describing himself like that it's like there must be something here but I cannot describe it and I know Mike you were like it's just Odium lying and that's not the I don't think he was lying it's just his view is a lot different than you know an external view. Yeah, I'm just going over it one more time to make sure there's nothing on here that Dave doesn't already know. But I think we're good now that I've taken out 0.4 and then renumbered 0.5. And then also it's way too long to post as one post, so I'm going to have to split it up. So uh, I also posted in spoiler, and and maybe you guys can answer here. Um, Again, I know very little about religion myself. Uh, I did go to Catholic school, but that's the extent of my knowledge. And so... When someone is describing, um, like, Rays and how Odium is, is viewed for himself, I, I pointed a comment, like, sort of like the Old Testament God. Because I remember in the Bibles, like, there's the Old Testament God who cares about, like, oaths and stuff. And he has his chosen people. And he gets really angry at people that are outside of the, the chosen people. And he also gets really angry at his chosen people when they don't do what was promised in the covenants. And it's it's all scary and and not kind. And then you get the New Testament God, which is like, you know, slate is wiped clean and and Jesus makes everything nice and roses. So Odium is sort of like an Old Testament God like view, like this is the anger and the wrath. But again, we're lacking the context of that. Old Testament God is your parents when you were a teenager and New Testament God is your parents after you're a grown up. Yeah. Anyway, that's Odium. Now, I, I think we should address what uh, Mar has, I'll just, I'll just say Mare, has, has posted. And the question is, so what does this mean now that Taravangi? And so I think part of the theory that he points out, uh, he or she, sorry, uh, they point out is that the old shard holder was raised. And because the shard odium lacks, so the, the intent is passion and the divine hatred like that's just what the intent is but again it lacks focus so it has to draw upon the shard holder similar to nightblood and Ray's view of that is sort of like let's destroy all of the shards in the cosmere that's just what he ends up his goal in life that seems to be what it is so he's the only one to destroy all the others which by the way side note sorry going off tangent here again reminds me of skybreakers because skybreakers are like no more night radiance and that's like they kill all the proto night radiance but they're the only ones who are allowed to be night radiance it's very much the exact same thing um anyway now we have Teravangian holding this divine wrath what the heck does that mean and we know him a lot better than Ray's. How scary is this on a scale from 1 to 10? I mean, kind of depends on what his ultimate goals are, because we don't know those anymore. My view of Teravangian is Machiavellian. Like, that's what he is. He's a Machiavellian-type leader. He is very much focused on ends justify the means of trying to do the... I don't want to say that. He's okay with the smallest group being being safe and successful like he saves his city at the expense of all of roshar i mean when, that when he that was his goal pre-ascension has right. that changed has that expanded in any way is he i don't know planning to undermine the the listeners or singers i'm doing it again they're singers okay singers is the general term thank you every time 
Um, is he planning on undermining the singers? Is his goal now just to leave Roshar like Reyes's was? Well, like, like I don't definitely know. Definitely that he definitely wants to leave Roshar. That has to be step one because he sort of he got that information, and this is at the end of Rhythm of War. He gets that information of the Cosmere, and he's like, "I I could do better." Like he wants the plan, he wants the fixing. But keep in mind, intent changes a shard holder. Now, right now, at the time of Rhythm of War. It's mostly going to be Teravangian with a bunch of power. And that that's sort of what we're going to have. But eventually the intent will drive him towards that the, that divine wrath, hatred slash passion. Um, it's going to change things, but not for like hundreds of years. So, yeah, I don't know what I'm getting at. The point is, I'm a little bit nervous of Teravangian holding the shard. Uh, he's not the person I pick. I, and as part of this theory... It needs another, at least another shard, if not multiple. I mean, this is sort of the problem in general with all of the individual shards. They all lack context. If you look at preservation and what he wants, it's not good, guys. Like, his perfect view of the world would be everything frozen and perfect, and that's it. There's no life. There's no living. There's no emotion. It It is it is scary. Like, he is not necessarily good either. Um. This is a problem with all the shards. You can't just have a single shard. Like, and I think that's sort of the the theme in general that we're seeing of the Cosmere. Because I've yet for us to meet a shard holder and be like, yeah, okay, I'm okay with that shard existing. Never. Endowment. Endowment was probably the least of of the shards because she's only empowering others. That's her thing. Um. So, yeah, in terms of, of destruction and power and everything, okay, not too bad. But I don't know. She, she would probably do the least amount of harm to the Cosmere because of, of what she wants. I don't know what Cultivation is up to. I don't necessarily trust Cultivation. Even though she's probably on Team Good Guy, there's still something weird happening there. And I'm like, there, there's something going on. I, I don't know. I am starting to think that we maybe shouldn't be calling Team Radiant Team Good Guy. <laughs> not well, we, not well, that individual people that we've been following aren't like good guys and protagonists and have goals that we should be cheering for um just it we seem to be shaping up to a conflict where nobody's really right yeah. nobody's necessarily wrong but nobody's really right so there aren't really good bad dynamics going on here I, I as, usually... as as Kaladin learned in was it last week week before Recent chapters. A couple weeks ago, yeah. I usually like to say Team Dalinar, because that at least is pretty clear about which team we're talking about. Team Radiant. Team Radiant, sure. Uh, I mean, I, I think Dalinar and Co. are our version of good guys, so I'm going to root for them. But well, I have no idea how Cultivation falling into this. I don't know what her plans are for the, the Cosmere as a whole. I'm a little bit nervous. Autonomy's doing stuff. It's annoying. I don't like it. What's up? And Mercy, why is Mercy concerned? Like, Mercy teamed up with somebody during the whole Clash uh, Odium versus Ambition. Did she work with Odium? Okay, on that front, I have some speculation that the holder of Ambition was just as much of a problem as the Shard, the intent of Ambition for that, which is based okay. on literally nothing, because we have no information on this. I just, yeah. I have a hunch. So basically no one liked him. Do you think I, I think didn't someone post it in our spoiler channel or maybe we read something that uh 
Hoyd was originally going to be offered the Ambition Shard. I thought you guessed at that the last time we talked about this. I don't remember guessing that. Maybe, I don't know. But yeah, that's... If that happens to be the case and then they gave it... I, I, I want to know that story, because... We know they split the shards into 16, which is very convenient given that we have four Dawn shards. And if we split everything into fours, four times four is 16. Like, it makes very a lot of sense that we get 16 shards from this. But Hoyd was offered a shard. So who the heck were they going to snub when they offered Hoyd the shard? Is this a group of, like, 17 people? Is there more people that we don't know about because they didn't get shards? Like, I, I have questions, guys. Um, I would just like a 40-plus book series on Whimsy's world. I think that would be pretty great. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, go going back to Mercy, um, one of the things we have heard about, and I apologize now, uh, is Mercy killing. Um... Like that is that is a term that happens to exist. What if that happens to be the case in terms of what happened to Ambition? We know that Ambition was fatally wounded by the conflict, which is what happened to Threnody. And then what if Mercy decided to finalize that fatality? As in put M Ambition out of their misery, show yes. them some mercy. Yes, that seems like a mercy thing to do. The thing, and going back to our discussion, the thing I like about this theory that we pointed out is that I think this is a great way in general to think about the shards. I know I've said this already, but looking at the shards as whatever their intent is without context makes a lot more sense to see what their motivations are, what they're trying to achieve, uh, and, and why they go about it the way that they do. All right. I feel like we're, we've done an episode. Yes, I also feel like an episode happened. How about you, Craig? Do you do you feel like we've completed an episode? Oh yeah, this this is an episode, all right. I like when we get some good theory time stuff. Same. Uh, so yeah, uh, I guess we're done. So bye, everybody. Good night, Internet. Bye. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at @CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is "Traveling Made Up Continents" by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening.